Welcome to Geordie Lass and Doc Sass. One day, a Geordie and a Canadian walk into a bar and decide to start a podcast about relationships and what a topic that is. No subjects are off limits. Get in touch today with us at geordielass.com or email info at geordielass.com and let us know what you think and what we should talk about. Welcome to the podcast. Happy podcast. Hello. <laughs> hello, hello. hello. Yeah. How are you? Well, I think we're diving into autumn, diving into fall. So it's it's good. It's um, you know, there's always a solemnness to the change in the season. Kind of a remembrance of our summer that's going. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. but everything is lovely. It's crisp. It's a beautiful cloudless day right now, which is gorgeous. Very nice, very yeah. nice. Well, we still have some blue sunny sky, so <gasps> yeah. I'm going to hold on to summer a little bit longer. Oh, do, do. So don't let my transatlantic stuff bother you. You just keep going no, with your summer. I'm just blocking it out. Good, 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 good. <laughs> that sounds good. How's it going for you? Yeah, good, thank you. Good. Mm. It's, um, yeah, we're getting ever closer to um, uni departure day, so... <laughs> It's all happening right now. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I can't imagine like the last minute stuff that's like, oh my gosh, we've got to do this. Oh, we forgot to get that or pack that. I cannot imagine how stressful that is. Yeah. I'm just trying to remain very calm and um, sail through it all. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's the only way. Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah, I think... Uh, I had a sort of an in-town kind of just staying local kind of place. And I went to a flea market and, you know, lovely stuff. There's so much happening in Toronto and everybody's kind of buzzing around being social. I had wondered, I think I said last um, two podcasts ago that there was this, um, the members only uh, Dick Waffle uh, little pop-up. Yes, I I put a link into the show notes for that. I did look them up. It's uh, a thing. Yeah, they were. Very interesting. It is a thing. <laughs> so just as I, you know, mustered up my, ah, maybe I should just go and sample a dick waffle. Then, uh, you know, I went to the, and they disbanded their uh, pop-up. So I, th- because it was like a shack on the street. So it makes every bit of sense right. that uh, there's a Mexican restaurant just sort of right in front of this dick waffle place. And, and they didn't seem to have the dick waffle. So I think I've missed out on my opportunity, I think. But I will mm. keep you tuned. But I think it was a trend that came and, and went and I never got on the train some regret well, dear listener pop back through the uh, show notes you'll find the link to the instagram because put it on there <laughs> oh my gosh oh <laughs> you you'll, are you'll be able to track them down <gasps> oh my gosh wherever they be in the city okay very good yeah oh yeah. you know my city more than i do <laughs> i'm all over <laughs> <laughs> so nice that's awesome all right um so what is shaken at the relationship desk of love Oh, I never thought you'd ask. (laughs) Okay, so um, this week I'm going to share with you uh, something that I was reading about nourishing your relationship with daily acts of kindness. Mm. I've been reading a lot about kindness recently, actually, and I did download this book, which is around a kind of like a 30 day kindness challenge. Um, and I do think there's a lot of kind of anxiety around at the minute, I think, mm-hmm. and kindness can be kind of a real good way to try and counteract some of those feelings that come up. So if we can focus on things outside of our kind of immediate sphere or immediate worry, mm-hmm. then it can be quite nice, can't it, to just mm-hmm. focus on something else. Yeah. 
So yeah, so the, this article just kind of really shares the positive psychology and the well-being side of focusing on some of the kindness mm-hmm. and um, and focusing on, you know, you as a couple. Mm-hmm. So it says love is not just a feeling, it's an action, it's a verb. Investing energy in healthy relationship habits is what helps us sustain love over the long haul. Mm. Relationships work better when you focus not on what you get out of them, but on what you put into them, Mm. says this psychologist that's a contributor to the article. So he says research would suggest that this is right and reveals that those who show greater compassion towards romantic partners are more likely to enjoy satisfying and committed relationships. So the psychologists define compassion as the feeling that motivates us to help when we see another person suffering. Mm. So really kind of looking at the ways that you can look at using those daily acts Mm. of kindness Mm. can really help to bring in some of that compassion, that kindness, that understanding for your partner. Mm. So this may be, I mean, Anna and I are a big fan of somebody else bringing the tea in the morning. (laughs) Um, So it could be, I'm bringing the tea, it could be, I'm going to take over a job that you would normally do to allow you a bit more free time. Mm. Um, It could be writing a little note that says how much you appreciate your partner. Uh So there are many different ways, I think, to do random acts of kindness. But it's generally it's thinking about the other person and thinking about what they're going through and how you could do something that would really um, make their day a little bit more special. Mm, Nice. And I think this is where you have to be kind to yourself because I think I think certain yeah. acts of kindness that you might feel compelled to do aren't really something that comes naturally to you or you don't actually like doing them. I think that there's so many things that you can actually do as an act of kindness. I think you need to be kind on yourself to yeah. allow yourself to do the things that you like to do. Although, you know, I hear like love languages, we should speak to the other person's love language if if they like things that we don't. But as the low-hanging fruit, Start with mm. doing the things that we love doing that means love expressed from us. Yeah, I think there's more authenticity, isn't there? It comes across as more genuine if you're doing something that you really want to do. Mm-hmm. I guess on the flip side, sometimes if it's just generally something that you're not used to doing and you can't really think of something that you'd like to do, mm. sometimes we do have to fake it till we make it. Oh. And then when you see how positively that is received by your partner and you then get that kind of genuine high off the back of doing something nice for somebody else Mm. that then might encourage you to think of other creative and different ways Mm -hmm. to take out some acts of kindness ah right right oh that makes sense and Mm. I think too um if an act of kindness for your partner is uh cleaning the kitchen (laughs) and if they (laughs) love it when you clean the kitchen and I don't know. It's a hard thing. Like if you hate cleaning the kitchen, I guess that's one thing. But if you're like, no, it's not my favorite thing. It's not my choice thing. But sometimes if that is the thing that would bring so much joy, sometimes you want to bite the bullet. Yeah. Yeah. It's that balance, isn't it? Between what am I prepared to do something I really want to do for the joy that I get back when my partner is so happy and pleased that I've done that. Yeah. Ooh, it's a dance. It's a total dance because you never do anything in isolation in a vacuum. If you're going to do something, you know, you're assuming that you will receive gratitude and you're you're assuming that your partner is also looking for their acts of kindness that they can be doing for you. Although, 
you know, if you want to trend, if you want to start the trend of acts of kindness in your relationship, sometimes perhaps you don't have that tradition in your relationship. Maybe it's something mm. you're wanting to spearhead and maybe, you know, you kind of hope that within short time, your partner kind of catches on like the idea catches fire and you can start to notice that they're kind of reciprocating. That that would be the ideal. Yeah. And I think often that is the case where it is um, contagious, you know, um, mm. when you think about I suppose the environment that you're in, if you think about like if you go into a work environment and everybody kind of speaks to each other in a certain way, whether that's positive or negative, Mm -hmm. no matter what your standpoint is, eventually you'll conform to that norm behavior. Mm. And I think the same is true in relationships. If we are kind and compassionate and understanding of each other, eventually that that becomes the norm of how you behave Mm. if and we see this then the the negative we see it in the opposite where over time where contempt starts to sink into a relationship and you start to um actually disrespect each other and you're not taking the care and the attention when you're Mm. communicating then you see eventually actually that becomes the norm as well Mm -hmm. where we do just bicker and argue and snap at each other Mm. whereas that Mm -hmm. probably wasn't the case when you first got together you were probably ever so polite and nice to each other and said please and thank you and showed gratitude for the things that you did for each other so I guess you know what we're saying with daily act of kindness is it's maybe just getting back to where you were when you first Mm -hmm. started what were some of the things that you used to do that maybe you've let slip yeah oh that's nice Oh, that's a nice reminder. It's always nice to remind yourself, like, what was that initial desire? That's really important. Yeah. 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 So there you go. Think oh, of something kind to do today. <laughs> All right. I like it. Maybe mm-hmm. not necessarily even for a partner, maybe for a friend, maybe for somebody yeah, who's a absolutely. casual acquaintance. Yeah. 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 Very good. Okay. Shall we uh, hot topic? Let's hop on over to our hot topic. Yeah. Let's go. Let's do that. Today's hot topic is, is safe sex boring sex? (laughs) Oh, Anna's dog has something to say. (laughs) Oh, she just woke up to say, um, yes, it is. (laughs) (laughs) Question, please. No. Yeah. This is a hard one. This is a really, really tough one. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah. So I guess, well, the first bit I would say, so what is safe sex? Like, Mm. what does that look like? So Mm -hmm. do we mean are we taking the right precautions? Does it mean, are we not exploring different ways and techniques and um, trying out new things because we want to stay in a safe comfort zone? Like, what do we mean when we say safe sex? Yeah. my first question. Oh, yeah, totally, totally. And I think, you know, and safe sex in terms of STI and pregnancy prevention is, that's a, a thing that's tied in. But um, you know, I think about like when you first start a relationship, right. And it's very thrilling because there is mm. no safety. You don't know this person. You don't know if they're going to respect you. You don't know yeah. if you're going to feel comfortable naked around them. Um, you don't even know really if you're physically safe with them. And of course, thankfully we're getting a bit better in terms of understanding, uh, that consent is a, uh, active process as opposed to sort of a one-time event. But yeah, the hotness about a new hookup or relationship is that there is no safety. Mm. And that's what supercharges our lust and attraction and our let's get going. So as I think about like as relationships proceed onwards, there's more that you get to know about each other. You get to know your sort of the likes, dislikes, what is comfortable, what is not, 
Um, you yeah. perhaps had a few run-ins to say, I don't feel safe when you do that. And the person may have hopefully corrected their behavior. So safe sex, meaning when you get into a place where um, you know that your rights and your boundaries are going to be adhered to and respected, and mm. you're using the contraception or STI prevention that you feel comfortable with, and everything is tickety-boo, like everything is safe. Mm. And then, holy shit, wait a minute, why am I not aroused and turned on? <laughs> <laughs> So it's like safe sex and hot sex are like antithetical. Is that a word? I don't know what that means, but it doesn't mean it's not a word. (laughs) Yeah. Means they're two opposites. They, they don't, they're like oil and water. And, and so what the heck do we do? Right. We're striving for hotness and we're striving for safety. And we realize we can't really get them in the same corner. I think we're complicated creatures. Um, there's no two ways about that. I think for me, there's kind of two parts to it. I think one side is the whole kind of um, safety as in, am I safe? Am I protecting myself, um, both from a sexual health point of view, from a I don't want to have baby point of view, and uh, am I putting myself in a vulnerable position that I don't want to be in? Like, hmm. So for me, that's kind of one part of it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to that, I think it's not boring to practice safe sex. It's actually (laughs) super sensible. And um, whilst you might think that's boring, I don't think that any of that should ever detract from Mm. a hookup or a, um, because that for me is kind of like, that's just a, that's a Mm non-negotiable. And then, so almost becomes like a non-event because it just, it is what it is. Therefore we're not negotiating it. We're not talking about it. We're not going to have different views that there are just kind of there are some standards mm-hmm. and they're in place and that's that so it almost avoids having to have that tricky conversation because mm-hmm. you're like this is just the way it is the sky is blue and mm-hmm. this we're going to use the right protection mm-hmm. um, <laughs> so I think that side of it isn't I would not say that that is boring I would say that's like a an essential Mm. and it means that you're taking responsibility for yourself as a human being and that I think is um that would make me feel quite um trying to think of the right words to describe how that can make you feel it's almost I think it gives like a certain level of confidence Mm. Mm -hmm. because you've got enough about yourself to say I'm not going to tolerate those things so I guess going back to that Mm. kind of boundaries that you've raised it provides a certain level of confidence that says, no, actually, I'm pretty sure of who I am. Mm. And I'm pretty sure that that's what I want in my life. Mm. Nice reframe. Okay. Yep. I yeah. get that. So I would look at that kind of slightly different. Mm-hmm. Now on to the other topic <laughs> <laughs> of, uh, you know, hot sex versus regular sex, mm-hmm. then I think it is possible, but I think it takes some effort on both parts to kind of keep that kind of lust and momentum going. Mm-hmm. I can understand why people would say, well, it's just kind of boring because we always do the same thing or I always mm. know what to expect or, you know, Saturday night is sex night. Yeah. <laughs> Some people do that. That's um, true. Yep. And that's fine too, if mm-hmm. that's your jam. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I can understand why people would then say, actually, it's I know what I'm getting. It's that familiarity, mm. isn't it? That you don't have it when is. you first meet. True, true. So realizing that safety and hotness tend to sort of safety goes up and hotness goes down if we Mm. were to just sort of strive just for safety and not work on the hotness part. So really, we have to become a bit, we have to throw ourselves into a bit of uncertainty in order to experience hotness again. So Mm. I think where you're heading is we have to introduce novelty 
we have to put ourselves in a place of vulnerability with our partner. We're not, we're, we're safe from the basic sense of it. We know we're not going to be ridiculed or shamed or so forth, but we have a bit of uncertainty. So I think what you're talking about is like mixing up and doing new stuff. And it becomes, it's kind of like, yeah, do some new stuff, pull out, you know, the fantasies and pull out like the dress up games and that. But there's a reason for doing that. And it's because we have to push ourselves out of our safety comfort zone a little bit and push our edge a bit to see, um, because that's where hotness can be rekindled. I think that's one method and not, but not everybody's going to be comfortable with that, right? Some people mm. go, that's absolutely not for me. Mm. You've got no chance. I'm going to stick with my boring sex. Mm. I think there are other ways, there are other opportunities to be able to get back to that kind of first stage of headiness. Like, because mm. if you think about it, when you first start to go out with somebody, you maybe don't kind of like have like full sex straight away. Maybe there's a lot of kind of lead up mm. or can be. Um, I'm not saying there is in all situations. We've all been there. <laughs> oh, yeah. um, but there's a lot, you know, so there's two things, isn't there? So one is like, if you do do it and like you kind of instantly jump in, there's that kind of like naughty side of it, that naughtiness, like, oh God, we really shouldn't be doing this. Mm-hmm. So that's one element. The other, the other side, if you kind of do prolong it, it is that kind of like that prolonged, that lead up, that kind of we're gradually kind of moving into it. And the... I suppose the insight, the excitement and the anticipation that goes along with that mm. can cause a lot of that kind of like hotness that comes where where you are kind of like you're anticipating, you know it's going to come, you're just not quite sure when. Mm. And that's that kind of unfamiliar side, which brings about like that excitement or that level of mm. excitement. So I would say, is there a way to tap into kind of either of those feelings mm. to recreate some of that? So you know is it that actually you prolong the start of sex or mm. you maybe have kind of like you know you mix it up in certain ways that you know you don't move straight to full sex you um you know explore mm. different ways without having to you know move to the more kind of I suppose the more kinkier side it would be described mm. as mm. I did um <laughs> stumbled on a program the other day about it was about kinky it's called kinky data so if anybody's in the uk and you've watched it um then you'll know what i'm on about and it is really interesting what some people um do find as a turn on right so there were these two uh gay guys who um put on these like dog masks and would pretend to be like dogs and interact with each other which i thought was quite an, an awful way of turning each other on wow yeah That sounds like a whole, there's a whole culture of folks who like, there's a lot of play. There's a lot of uh, innovation, I would say. Yeah. And subcultures and people who actually meet over similar kinks. It's pretty cool, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I think there's a lot out there to explore if you really wanted to. Mm. I think, you know, again, we've talked before about kind of consent and around both parties being comfortable with it. Mm. So I do think it is about kind of approaching some of the conversations in the right way. Um, I guess the other challenge that we should talk about, what if one partner just thinks, one partner thinks it's boring and the other partner's like super satisfied? Mm -hmm. So I think in this case uh, that the person who says I'm super satisfied, like if we were to do some really deep work with them, um, they may not actually be. Mm. Or they may admit, yeah, you know what? There are things untapped. I think there's a lot of folks who kind of reach their satisfaction threshold quite early and they're like, this is fine. This is great. 
Um, the other person may be agitating saying, I'm not happy. This is not, mm-hmm. you know, when one person seems to be satisfied, there's a, there's a beautiful potential of work to be done. Cause it's, it's often that, um, perhaps this person is a people pleaser and never learned to express what they actually want. They don't even know themselves that there's anything deeper inside of them. Yeah, that can be the case, but you do get differences in, um, sexual appetite and some people are mm. just kind of like yeah do you know what I'm f- I'm fine with what we do and it's not I've got no interest in exploring anything further ah yeah mm. so that's a whole situation you know folks who find themselves on some part of the asexual spectrum which I'm quite yeah. interested in um but but that that's where then there's work to say I really own that yeah. and then to really sort of articulate the things that I do want the things that I don't necessarily care for yeah yeah and like with all things it comes down to having the conversations and working out where you're both at and what is appealing to both of you and you know you may not be on the same wavelength and and that's Mm. okay too because Mm. I think there's more emphasis when it comes to differences in sex than there are other differences in the relationship because Mm. you know I might not like Indian food and you you might Mm. but yet there's not a major there's not a major emphasis on it because there's a whole host of other cuisines out there that we can mm. that we can try. Whereas I guess when it comes to sex, it's kind of like, well, I do really like it and you don't. Then how do you start to tackle and address that? And mm. but if you're committed and you want to put the effort and the work into your relationship, you'll find a way to get to a point where both parties can be as satisfied as they can. Yes. Or, or not. <laughs> or, or, because uh, I will say. I'm sitting on the fence right now. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. I, I, I like it. I think satisfied or not, but at least they know what they can account on from their partner and what they can't. Yes. I think yeah. that is the big thing. Because I. Yeah. There's a lot of the time where people realize after doing, the, the healthiest way is through actual conversation with, with each other, often mediated by a therapist or a coach, to really hear your partner very clearly because you know if your partner's like I don't really like frequent sex you're like I don't hear you I'm going to sort of invent another reason for why we're not having frequent sex and that partner's like I've been telling you the whole time I don't like frequent sex and so you can finally for the first time actually hear each other really hear and understand each other and then you can sort of make decisions like oh I guess my partner is not going to be the the source of frequent sex. Okay, so what does that what does that mean for me? Does it mean I'm on my yeah. own sensual journey? Does it mean that we consider an open relationship if it's a deal breaker for me? Yeah. Mm. I the beautiful thing, I think I we've tread into several like I feel like there's so much meat in here that we've kind of tread across into several topics, which is quite yeah. lovely. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. We have kind of drifted slightly. <laughs> love it, love it. Um, yeah, but I think it's yeah. just such a fascinating subject, isn't it? And and a lot of it does come down to what is it that we, what does safe sex mean to us? What does what does boring sex mean to us? Like, what is it that we're measuring that against? Because mm-hmm. I I do think we're in this society where we are influenced so much externally and we don't actually really tap into what's important to us. Mm. So we've got all of these um, societal pressures or idealisms, you know, in this Instagram age that we live in where we're seeing all of these um, supposedly perfect mm. people and relationships and what mm-hmm. we're using that as a measuring stick and we're doing that comparison thing where we're saying, well, we can't be 
I can't be excited by my sex life because we don't do X, mm. Y, and Z, you know. And I guess some of these programs like Kinky Daters or and you know Naked Attraction, where they're openly talking about sex, some of that can then lead into that comparison and that inferiority yeah. complex yeah. that comes up. But mm-hmm. in reality, have you really asked yourself, you know, am I? What is it that I want? Mm-hmm. Is it really something I think I'm missing out on, or is it that I've the fear of missing out on something mm. because everybody else is telling me that they're doing it right <laughs> oh gosh yeah. which they may or may not be by the way <laughs> yeah you know and and i learned this early on in personal experiences the people who are the loudest about their crazy yeah. kinky sex are often the people who are having the most problems yeah but that they use um talking about it publicly as a way to c- compensate so just just be mindful that the folks who are yeah. really loud about it may actually be compensating. And that's, that's not an, that's a very sad situation. And, and, and I have a lot of sympathy, but that I learned early on. Yeah. yeah. I think safe sex is like buckling your seatbelt in a Lamborghini. So, um, safe sex means that you've got like the basic safety and the rules in place so that you can rip it at like 200 kilometers an hour down a freeway with no speed limit but you've got your safety belt so you're like okay yeah. well and you've got airbags but other than that yeah. everything else is to play for right yeah right. yeah I like that I like that analogy and it is about I think sometimes when we think about we often think about the word safe and boring in the same sentence yeah. right the kind of they often go hand in hand and, and especially when we're talking about relationships but actually mm. if you're in a safe secure relationship where you've got that connection with your partner what better place to be to explore some things yeah and play and have some fun and decide between you what you want to do yeah like thrill each other I guess you know yeah. it's the same way people um I'm not a huge fan of thriller movies but there's some people who love to be scared and they love roller coasters and they love to mm. put themselves in the situation but even a good roller coaster is going to have safety checks and make sure that you're yeah. strapped in but that you can still have a good scream and feel that uh that your stomach uh <laughs> rising into yeah. your boots and stuff that that thrilling sensation is something that really drives human beings so yeah yeah. yeah I'm yeah I'm not a big roller coaster fan but I do like a, um I do like a film that keeps me on the edge of my seat not quite to the yeah. to the degree of horror but to the suspense side of it um in fact I watched one on Sunday morning and I was explaining it to my friend and she said that's not Sunday morning viewing what happened to the Waltons <laughs> was it like a like a criminal like forensic it was yeah. um it was I guess this, it was a family kind of like the relationship between this mother and the, this daughter and basically mm. the mother was deliberately sabotaging the daughter and keeping her um in a wheelchair so that she she couldn't ever leave her oh. um but it was really oh. kind of like tense and um so I said to my friend I had to watch it on Sunday morning because there's no way I could have watched it in the evening on my own. Oh. <laughs> Terrifying. I would have been too terrified and yeah. then I wouldn't have slept oh. so sometimes there's a time and a place to be thrilled <laughs> a time and a place to be thrilled yes and that goes for sex too <laughs> yeah oh very nice way to bring uh, us out that sounds awesome mm. yeah so yeah so anything to add then or no I'm yeah I've got this sense of uh, a scary uh, film that you're watching on Sunday morning. So the, there's sunlight, but it still freaks the crap out of you. So I like that. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Mm, that works for me. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, shall we skip to the question? Yes, let's go. Okay. Right. 
Okay, bit of a long one, so um, let's tune the ears in and get ready for this, okay? Uh-huh. My friend is in a toxic, abusive relationship. At one point, he even got her arrested. She keeps going back to him, which makes it super awkward for barbecues and get-togethers. How do I help her see her worth? Ooh, okay. Okay, how long have we got? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's pour a drink. I got my coffee. I got another one on the on the counter, so let's go. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I mean, there's so much in here, isn't there? Mm. So, I mean, if we kind of break it apart a little bit, there's the kind of toxic abusive relationship. I'm watching that as a friend. Mm-hmm. There's um, that kind of how do you deal with those friend situations where you've got to actually then play nice with the partner yeah Yeah. and and mix with somebody else and then there's also the well you know somebody else getting you arrested your partner getting you arrested kind of feels quite tricky as well yeah um and then you know we'll finish off with a bit of Um, (laughs) self-worth so there's a lot like there is there is several parts to this question i think Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I and I think, you know, the whole jail part would would tell me like this is a seriously abusive situation. Like we're not we're yes. not playing around here. Like this is a no. shitty shitty ass situation. Yeah, extremely it sounds very controlling, I think. Yeah. Um that need to control somebody or totally run their life, I think. Yeah, I have a feeling this has been going on for a long time. This just mm. high on the drama. I I get the sense that there's a lot of like really play nice time in amidst here mm. so you know the barbecues are probably everybody pretending that things are fine and yeah. and this couple may have a tendency to sort of keep up with the joneses in public and and put on mm. a public face so like we're you know a very charming couple we sort of put on an act we're very loving towards each other in public so i i get the sense as a jekyll and hyde situation with this Mm. relationship that that the person asking the question has to kind of put up with that yeah they have to pretend everything is normal because that's what the partnership requires of them in a public setting but then when the shit goes off the and i I can see swinging back and forth back and forth and just high drama high drama all the time Mm. who doesn't have a friend like this (laughs) yeah and it's really really common isn't it that that kind of whole keeping up appearance thing and then Mm. but as the friend that's their in the background the observer you're very often the confidant as well and then you do then you do see both sides not everybody will um because there'll be certain people that are kept outside of that discussion Mm -hmm. um and they won't get to see the reality of what's really going on Mm -hmm. and I suppose that's where this question is coming from is actually I don't know what to do I feel helpless as a friend because I can see it all playing out, this bad, terrible yeah. movie. I can see it all playing out in front of me, but I have no idea how to help and, and how to support is a feeling that I get from the question. Oh, yeah. And and I'll call out what the person asking the question is not doesn't have the guts to say is um, they're exhausted uh, because mm. I, I get the sense that it's like hauling rocks uphill. Like, yeah, I'm curious to tap into the resentment that the person asking the question has, like, you know, there's this total drama shit show that that is playing out all the time. And, you know, when the things are good and times are good and your friend is on the top of the world, there's no telling her that yeah. this relationship is something that she, she should leave. But then you're the first person that they call at midnight. You know, he's done this mm. again. This is exhausting and it's shitty to be in this situation as a friend. I'm going to yeah. call that out. Yeah. Yeah, no, it is. It is. So... What responsibility does a friend have to help somebody feel better about themselves? 
It's be harsh, uh, be harsh Monday for me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, after we start off with kindness, Anna. <laughs> oh, I know, I know. <laughs> I think yeah. there's a there's a real balance, isn't that, between being an enabler of a situation mm-hmm. or being somebody that's trying to kind of um, jump in, be the rescuer, and, and save ah. the situation. Mm-hmm. There's a balance between kind of where you're at. I think you know your question was what responsibility does a friend have we're not responsible for anybody else Mm. we're only ever responsible for who we are and how we show up in the world and the things that we do and our decisions yeah yeah and our decisions our choices we are not responsible for other people's decisions and actions and how they choose to live their life Mm -hmm. now where it all gets a bit gray as a friend is part of that you showing up is actually I want to be a good friend and I want to be supportive and I want to um, help the other person see mm. the um, see the reality of the situation that they're in and how do I do that and that is where the grey area is and that's where it all begins to get a little bit tricky and I think as friends we have to tread reasonably carefully because there have been many relationships that have been broken apart because the other person refuses to see what's going on in front of them and and that's where it comes down to what can I do I can be responsible for who I am I can keep myself healthy and sane Uh and decide on my boundaries and my limits when it comes to supporting my friend yeah this has come up actually a few times recently with uh, not only with friends but with um People trying to manage relationships with their parents or things that their parents may be doing. Um, mm. So I think it comes up a lot. I think it comes up with friends. I think it comes up with close family. Mm-hmm. It comes up with your parents. It comes up with your kids. Um, you know, it is kind of all around us. And, and and I think a lot of the time the intention is there to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And we need to check in with ourselves to say, are we still doing the right thing? Mm. So... If we weren't to check in with ourselves, what do you find are the common pitfalls as a friend? What roads do you tend to, you mentioned enabling, but what are the other kind of really crappy dynamics that you could find yourself in if you weren't checking in with yourself? Yeah, so I think, well, there's a few things in there. So on the enabling side, we kind of, we can do that thing where we go, oh, it's not that bad thing. I'm sure things will work out. Um, You know, that real kind of like you know, optimism or, oh, don't worry, you know, kind of, um, you can ring me anytime. I'm always here for you. Um, you know, so we can provide that justification role that actually everything's kind of, okay. I'm, I'm siding with you. I'm agreeing with you. I'm justifying kind of what's happened. So I'm part of the, I'm part of, almost part of the problem there. Mm. I think there's the rescuing role where kind of, I'm going to come in, I'm going to, I'm going to fix everything. I'm going to take you out of the situation. I'm going to make everything Mm -hmm. better. But actually often that isn't what the person wants. Um, Mm -hmm. They want things to be different, but they they kind of don't as well because Mm -hmm. there's that familiarity there. There's that relationship. There's the time that they've invested. There's this false belief that things will change. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, one day things will be different. Um, Or there's this kind of um, belief, I just really genuinely love this person and I can't imagine my life without them, even though they do things that I I know are making me unhappy. Yeah, and aren't tenable at all. But I really love them. So there's this kind of, this strong kind of feeling. So then when when you then kind of come in as a rescuer, then that's when you can 
you know quite often jeopardize the relationship yeah what are some of the other things I think the talk you know you can go down the, the route of just total withdrawal where you just go actually I can't I can't do this and until you fix your relationship with your partner then I I can't stand by and I can't witness that um you know so that's another route that you could go down um again you know how how happy will that make you as a person are you comfortable with that choice and it might be that eventually you kind of get there because you just for your own um mental health and and sanity you can't you literally cannot watch it any longer I often say these situations really are like watching a, a really bad movie playing out and you're you're watching it through the living room window and you can't do anything yeah. about it because you can't you know you can't unlock the door yeah um yeah and that's kind of what it feels like yeah. you know I think in terms of what you can do it's interesting the last part of the question there is how can I get her to see her self-worth mm. and it makes me feel like that's kind of an area that's almost kind of like a neutral ground to tap into because mm. I'm not I'm not judging your relationship I'm not judging your choices I'm not judging your decisions mm-hmm. all I'm going to do is to focus on um the fact that you're a good person and I'm I'm happy that I've got you in my life mm. and you know ways to do that are around committing to spending time together it's around having the relationship that you would want to have with them if everything else wasn't going on mm. Does that make sense? It completely does. Yeah. Because all that other stuff is such a distraction to actually the relationship that you both want to have. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, as you as a friend might have sort of more reserved to be able to really kind of intentionally plan your friendship because Mm. if default setting would just be the swings of drama from one situation to the next situation and just kind of operating in that, you know, uh, triage drama zone. But if you wish to, and if this is, and again, and it's up for you to decide, is this a a high value friend? You know, they're going through real rough times. Is this a healthy friendship for me? And that that Mm. might be a yes, that might be a no. And if it's a yes, then, you know, how do I intentionally create time? You're right. As if this were not going on, what would we be doing? Uplifting things? Do we like to check out, you know, book readings of, you know, inspiring authors? Do we like to, um, you know, go to body affirming events where we're able to sort of dress up or do something where we feel really validated and supported? Mm. Um, Do we like to, yeah, do meditation classes together? Do we like to um, go out for for brunches that um, make us feel fabulous, you know? Yeah, Um, yeah. Yeah. And your friend may not have the reserves to really be leaning in because you, you can often find that the drama just takes over the relationship and then it's always, yeah. oh, guess what he did this time. Um, yeah. Whereas you might be able to gently guide the the yeah. relationship, fill it in with healthy activities. Yeah, because it dominates the relationship, doesn't it? It dominates the mm. discussion. Mm-hmm. You can have a tendency to only ever speak when there's the drama and when you're in the kind of you know the peaceful times then um there's that tendency to kind of like oh actually I'm okay like I'm not going to connect I'm kind of feeling good about things and then you know the connection only ever happens when there is the drama and that's a big thing like that's a huge thing right it's on the wrong terms right there so how do you create a relationship that's on the right terms where you both feel it's an equitable relationship um and it may take a bit more effort on your part to put that in place because your friend might not have the energy levels as you say to be able to do that so actually you know can you take 
charge can you take control and start to put some of that into practice and that becomes the focus of your relationship and then I think it's sometimes it's about gentle nudging about things Mm. so I know I have um a particular friend where I can see exactly what's going on and what's playing out and um sometimes it's just about I'm going to gently nudge you I'm going to gently challenge some of your ways of thinking just with some kind of you know some gentle questions like Mm -hmm. you know is it this that's happening Mm -hmm. or could it be this Mm -hmm. you know so really kind of presenting some alternative perspectives or you know maybe asking some questions like um well what else could that mean Mm -hmm. um so really just using some of those gentle um curiosity questions to try and shift some perspective in a slightly different way Mm, nice yeah and I mean I would say check in with your reserves right because like that is a really you know asking Mm. curious questions and it's something that we're trained to do as coaches and we're trained to not take things personally although to be honest in our personal lives we still do but to (laughs) elevate above taking things personally and realizing that somebody's behavior is really just them it's it it really has nothing to do with us yeah but at the same time like I wouldn't expect the average person to really be able to sort of go into coach mode so I think it's really important to check in with yourself. I, you know, yeah. you mentioned that sometimes these relationships lead to friendships falling apart. And to be honest, yeah. like, I don't expect anybody to stay in a friendship where they're bouncing from drama to drama. Like, you know, mm. I'm going to tell this person asking the question, like, you know, give it a good old college try. But like, if you still find yourself, you're only called on when there's drama. And yes, mm. you don't hear from your friend when they're when they're doing well, right? Yeah, you don't hang out and they're because they're all consumed with their relationship and the good times. And if you say, hey, you know, if you call them up, ring them up and being like, you know, and you haven't heard from them in a while. So you're assuming things are good in the relationship. Yeah. And if that person just kind of brushes you off, oh, no, I'm busy, whatever, me and so-and-so are going out to the so-and-so. Um, after a few tries of, you know, I, I I would give this person a full pass to say, you know, I think I need to distance myself from this relationship. Or, the, well, the other thing before you distance, I think, is about um, sharing the observation. So it's about saying, mm. I have noticed, because this is all around kind of how do I hold my boundaries firm, Right. So it's because the, the the person that's doing it probably isn't even aware, right, that they only ever bounce oh, in their yeah. life when they're full of drama, right? So it's yeah. it's sharing that back to say, look, you know, the last few times when I've asked you to do something, you've not really been interested. Like that doesn't work for me as a as a friendship. You might might not even be aware that you're doing it, but actually, this is a pattern that I've noticed. You know, mm-hmm. what do you think about that? Mm. Um, and quite often yeah. the other person won't even be aware that they're doing it or they yeah. won't be aware that it's affecting you in that way so I do think you haven't uh, you know if you if you can and I know it's a difficult conversation but I do think that there is kind of a bit of an obligation there to have that conversation because all yeah. we do this in relationships as well don't we, we just kind of walk away um, yeah. in, in intimate relationships I mean um, but we definitely we do it in um in friendships, friendships a lot. too yeah. where we just kind of distance and then the other person doesn't really know what happened and you kind of go oh well, I'm not really sure what happened and you don't realize that either yeah. either one or the other party was actually just really pissed off yeah. um so it is you know being able to have that tricky conversation that just says look I'm not really very happy with the relationship right now it yeah. feels like it's one-sided it feels like it's you know drama fueled um and I want to actually enjoy the good bits too 
I'm happy to be there and support you mm-hmm. in the times that you need us. That's what friends are for. That's what we do. We step up. We we listen. But also, friendships are also fun. That's why we form them. Yeah. And I need some fun times. Yeah. <laughs> and and you mentioned boundaries just a second ago. And I think that's the thing. Like one of the ways that you can help your friends see their self-worth mm. is to exercise your boundaries. Because yeah. you're telling your friend, look, I'm not going to take pity on you because you're going through a really shitty circumstance and lower my bar for you. I'm going to keep yeah. my bar up. I'm going to keep my boundaries because I value as a friend. So I'm going to bring my yeah. best to you. And my best yeah. includes my boundaries. So yeah that's okay. But this is not allowed. Like this, what we're doing here, I don't allow people to do that. So I want you to step up. That's part of seeing their self-worth. Yeah. It's it's role modeling the right behavior, isn't it? Yeah. And often we need permission in life to do things, I think, particularly Mm -hmm. when we're kind of like people pleasers, right? So we kind of go into relationships and we're like, oh yeah, I just want to, just want to be there for them. I just want to do everything that they want. Just want to make them happy. We neglect who we are, mm-hmm. but if we were then given permission to say, it's, you know, somebody says, look, I'm, I'm giving you permission, just share whatever it is that's on your mind. It doesn't matter, just share it, like be open. Um, I promise I won't get offended by it. Mm. That kind of level of permission there is sometimes what's needed. And sometimes we can get that by just actually watching a role model and, and watching something play oh. out and go, actually it wasn't that bad they said they weren't happy and they they said that they really valued me and they wanted to spend time with me actually that conversation wasn't that bad it didn't feel that bad on the receiving end Mm -hmm, therefore mm -hmm. I could see how I could maybe say that to my partner Uh aha oh that's that's awesome yes Mm. I'm just thinking of something where I've met somebody for the first time and they're kind of the archetype of the person where I always get into trouble because they're very strong personality and they, they sort of walk a, a very different path in terms of their beliefs than I do. And I've kind of struggling, do I sort of go along with it and kind of meet on their terms mm. or do I really put up a boundary? And I'm, I'm like, if I had full permission to just tread and because I always get into trouble with friendships because I don't put up boundaries at the beginning. And then people, Mm. I tend to attract a certain type. And then I, and then it, it sets a precedent where I I guess I'm seen as a pushover or that I don't have any. And then I, I always, my views always come out and, uh, gosh, that's strong. If I, if I could give myself permission to set any boundary that feels right for me, what would I say? And I, as I'm sort of thinking about it, I'm like, yes, there was one, there's one boundary that I've been kind of playing with. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to set that boundary. Yeah. And it sounds, you know, silly of me and, oh, you know, you're one of those people or whatever, but no, I'm going to set that boundary. I feel good about that. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. She's doing it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So thanks to, uh, the, the listener who sent us this question, because it's a, it is a doozy and it's a really, really, it's just such a fantastic question. And the way that they posed it was a way that really encapsulated a lot of the emotion, a lot of the difficulty of it. So Thanks for yeah, spurring absolutely. on good discussion this week. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And, and it is kind of, I suppose, testament to the listener that they obviously genuinely care about their friend, right? Otherwise, yeah. um, you know, the, the, and they've obviously put a lot of thought into it in terms of what's my role and what can I do about it. So, yeah, and we all need friends like that in our corner. Oh, yes. I know I do. I'm holding my hand up. Oh, heck yes. Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> no matter what I might say or do to the contrary. Yeah. 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 That's true. Yeah. None of us yeah. are truly independent. Oh, my gosh. And neither should we be as well, by the way. 
we are happiest when we have healthy interdependencies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we did it again. <laughs> I know. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, oh. Nice. Well, we could keep going and going, but I think that's we a nice could, place we could. to yeah nice place to leave things and probably shouldn't keep everybody forever (laughs) and i think everyone's kind of thinking about that relationship because everyone has a situation like that in their lives so i hope that you're kind of Mm. feeling spurred on to take one action if even it's setting a healthy boundary and modeling that i mean i hope you're feeling some inspiration to do something a bit differently this week yeah 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 and don't forget your random acts of kindness ah yes (laughs) (laughs) oh thanks for that Uh, yeah Yeah. maybe a random act of kindness towards your friend so that she can feel valued and loved too you know i have been a really hankering for i think they're sort of in season like a fresh like a bouquet of fresh like um sunflowers showing up with sunflowers oh right no sunflowers are the scariest flower going oh is that because yes. of like the horror movie sunflower fields? I don't know what it is, but like everybody says how much they love sunflowers. I am the complete opposite. <laughs> I just find them scary to look at. I do oh, not no. like a sunflower. Really? And they often come. They come in bouquets, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, no. Oh. I'm not. I love flowers as well. I really, really love flowers. There's nothing yeah. nicer than a, you know, a nice, lovely bouquet sat in your vase in your kitchen. It's lovely. Mm-hmm. Cheers me up. I love the bright colours. Yeah. I love the different styles and shapes and how innovative people get now when they're creating oh, these yeah. beautiful bouquets. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not just your yeah, standard roses from the garden anymore. Yeah. Um, you get some just fantastic displays. Mm-hmm. And I really, really like them. Except a sunflower. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So That's you can best. keep your sunflowers all you want. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love it. We keep discovering quirks and that's a heck of a quirk. I love it. We found we found a difference, Anna. It's good. Oh my gosh, that's <laughs> awesome. Well, my favorite flowers are Gerberas. Gerberas yeah. are my favorite. Yeah, they are Just nice. Yeah, beautiful yeah. punch of a gorgeous like fuchsia Gerbera. Yeah. Nothing better. Stunning colors, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. All right, yeah. no sunflowers for you. No, yeah. no, thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so till next time. Till next week. So that's it for another week of Geordie Lass and Doc Sass. We hope you've enjoyed listening as much as we've enjoyed chatting. Get in touch and share your questions for relationship remedies and any hot topics you want us to cover. If you need help navigating all things relationships, Anna and Sarah are available for one-on-one coaching support. Email info at geordielass.com. Please remember to like, share, subscribe if you've enjoyed listening. And if you've not, how on earth have you made it this far? I promise we'll try harder next time.